there, there it goes. All right, how, just a couple quick housekeeping things. Uh, I was, it was brought to my attention this week, something that I already knew. And uh, I, I want to see how many other people are thinking this, all right? But just a little bit, or the, it's up there right now. So the series name is How Do I, right? So I just want to do a little housekeeping with you, and I want, I want you to make me feel better about myself. Does anybody else finish out that phrase with a Trisha Yearwood song? Right? And you're picturing Nick Cage in Con Air with long hair, and she's singing in the background, right? Please tell me I'm not the only one, right? All right. Whew, okay. Right? I'm, all I could think about when I heard the, the series title was Put the Bunny Down. All right? So that, that's just me, and I wanted to make sure that we were all thinking on the same page. But we are in the second week of our series, How Do I? And now, if you were here last week, listen to me. This is really important. I'm going to sum up last week as quick as I can because we got to know last week to keep going forward today. But last week, basically, we're under this, we're in this series, How Do I? And last week we talked about this question of how do I have a personal relationship with Christ? And what we summed up that whole week as, what we summed up the whole message is this. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you will have a hunger in your gut to know more of God through Jesus Christ, Right? So, and what we summed it up as is if you don't have that hunger, I can't give you that hunger. God's got to give you that hunger, and that's what salvation is, right? To know more of God through Jesus Christ on the cross, right? That's what that is. So, today we're going to keep going in that direction. What I want to do today is ask this question. What Moses said, God, show me your glory. God, I want to know more of you. God, I'm hungry for more of you, okay? That's what Moses said. How does that play out in our lives every day practically, okay? How... If we're here today and we're saying, God, I want to know you, show me your glory, what, what's coming out in our lives that, that should be resembling that prayer in our heart? And the first thing that's going to be evident in our lives, if we're a Christian who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and we want to know God more and more, what's going to be evident in our lives is the practice of prayer. Okay? I have never, I have never met a strong, professing Christian who was following hard after Jesus Christ who didn't have a practice of prayer. So today that's what we're going to be preaching about. How do I pray? Okay, that's where we're going in today's sermon. And I just got to be honest with you. I've had some humbling experiences in my life, but I don't know that I've ever been more just unqualified to preach a message. Like I'm unqualified every week. Don't hear me say that. But I don't know that I've ever been more unqualified to preach a message than I am this week, more on prayer. Because if you're out there and you're thinking, I struggle with prayer, man, you should just come up here and we'll preach it together. Because, man, I struggle to have a consistent, constant, growing prayer life. So this has been so humbling for me. And what I want you to know at the out front of today's message is that I'm not preaching at you this morning. Before these words ever hit your heart, please know that they're going through me because I'm dealing with myself. These, these words that I'm preaching, I'm preaching to me first and foremost. So before we even get started this morning, though, I want us to have a little bit of, of testimony time so that we'll be a testament to ourselves later on. I want to ask this question. How many of you in here today believe, and if you don't believe this, please don't raise your hand, but how many of you do, if you believe, raise your hand, that you believe prayer is powerful? Like, we believe prayer is powerful. All right, now here's what I want to do. Right, keep them up, keep them up, all right, because this is going to be a testimony to ourselves, all right? I want us to all look around the room. Guys, it's unanimous. Have you, you know how hard it is to get church members to vote unanimously on anything? Right, but all right, put your hands down. Everybody sees, everybody sees everybody's hands. We're a testament to each other right now. We've all said that we believe prayer is powerful, right? 
My question for you is that we, if we believe prayer is powerful, why do we not pray? And now I'm assuming that you don't pray because I know the hu- what the human experience is for most of us in here. And for most of us, the reality is there are a few here who have just awesome prayer lives. If that's you, when we have the prayer time uh, down here today, you just come up and you teach me how to have that awesome prayer life. But for most of us, the human experience is, is that prayer is hard and we don't really know how to do it. And, man, we just stumble through it and we never really become successful at it if we're at all consistent with it, right? Prayer is just hard for us. I read this this week, and I thought it summed up everything well. It's, this is a guy named Don Whitney. This is what he says. Despite the importance of prayer, statistical surveys and experience seem to agree that a large percentage of professing Christians spend little time in sustained prayer. All right? That's sustained prayer. That's when you're actually sitting down with a purpose of talking to God. Sustained prayer. While they offer a sentence of prayer here and there throughout their day, they rarely spend more than a very few minutes, if that, alone in conversation with God. So what we're doing here is we're not talking about going to A lot of y'all try to pawn it off and be all spiritual. You try to pawn off the fact that you don't pray on that you're too spiritual to pray. I just pray continually. Just go through my... <laughs> the ones that laughed the first, that, that was like, yeah, that's me, right? You, I just, I just go. I pray without ceasing, which means every ten minutes I, I might pray about something. Right? That's not what I'm talking about here. And to be honest, you're probably lying to me when you do that because you don't want to feel so guilty about it. It's very easy to make people feel guilty about about failure in prayer, but we must come to grips with the fact that to be like Jesus, we must pray. Skip down one more. We must come to grips with the fact that to be like Jesus, we must pray. Prayer is not an option for Christians not an option we must pray if we're going to become like jesus so as i was thinking about this i I asked myself and i I put myself in your shoes too i hope why don't we pray if this is so important if this is the most important thing next to taking god's word into our lives is praying back to god if this is the most important thing why don't we pray i got i came up with three reasons I, i hope these these resonate with you but number one i think the number one reason we don't play don't pray I think the number one reason we don't pray is because we just don't believe what God says. I think that's the reality of it for most of us. We don't believe what we say we believe about God. See, because if we believed what we said we believed, we would believe that we have a God who is faithful and powerful, and He will answer us when we pray. So the first and most important thing we would do is pray. Yet we don't pray, so that the only logical conclusion in my mind is that we just don't believe what God says. We just don't believe it. Now that's that's kind of hard, right? Well, I think I believe it. Actions speak louder than words. Another reason I think that we don't pray is this. We don't actually want to be like Jesus. I think a lot of us come to church on Sunday, and we fill this room, and we come and we get our praise on, praise Jesus. We hear a convicting message. We come down to the altar. We pray, God, take care of this, take care of that. But when the reality of it, the rubber meets the road, and we actually start growing into the image of Christ and how much that hurts, and we feel the pain of, of being conformed to Christ's image, we don't pray because, way we start backing out of that. We don't really want to be like Jesus. We just want the blessings, like we talked about last week. We want the blessings of a relationship with God. We don't actually want to be obedient to God. So we just don't pray. We just settle for a mediocre kind of religious experience where we come in here and we feel a little conviction, and then we go back home and nothing ever changes. We don't really want to be like Jesus. 
Yet I think another reason, the third reason I think we don't pray is this. I think we are blind to the level of need in our life. You see, because don't let it be, go past you today that you were fortunate enough to be born in America, and by that fact alone, you are more wealthy than like 97% of the world. So you go through life, and you are self-sufficient. You don't need anything. You don't need to have physical needs. You don't have spiritual needs. You just go, and if you need something, you take care of it yourself, and you don't ever go to God. We're blind to our need because we're blind to the real spiritual war that is going on around us. So we don't pray. But here's what I want you to know as we start today. Listen, if today is going to make a difference at all, if today's not going to be just any other Sunday, if today's actually going to be a day where you grow into the image of Christ and you leave here a little bit different, if today's going to be any different at all, what we need up front is some commitment. I need you, before I preach a word, I need you to commit to leaving this place and becoming serious about prayer. If you don't want to do that, you might as well tune me out now because nothing I say is going to make a difference. The reality is the only way to learn to pray, the only way I can answer the question for you, how do I pray, is for you to pray. If you're a Christian, we've got to commit to this today. I, I read this this week. Reading a book about prayer, listening to lectures, listening to guys preach, Talking about it is very good, but it won't teach you to pray. You get nothing without exercise and without practice. I might listen for a year to a professor of music playing the most beautiful music, but that won't teach me to play an instrument. Guys, I could preach the best sermon ever. I probably won't, but I could. All right? That was a joke. I, could, I probably won't preach the best sermon ever, but even if I did preach the best sermon you ever heard today about prayer, it will do you no good if you don't commit right now to going out of this place and putting it into practice. How do I pray? You've got to commit. So listen, we're going to do something a little bit different. You got your Bibles open to Luke chapter 11? This, this section of Scripture we're coming to, just a little context, the disciples are with Jesus, and he's a, this is the Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, okay? So in Matthew, we get one version of it. Luke's going to give you a slightly different version of it. And the disciples are about to catch Jesus praying, and they're going to want to learn They're going to want to learn how to pray. They're going to ask Jesus how to pray, okay? So that's where we're about to go into the Scripture. Before we do that, we're going to pray. And I want to just warn you up front, okay? We're going to do something a little bit different today. Because every time I make a point, we're going to stop and pray. Because if I really believe what I say about prayer, then I believe that prayer is the only thing in this world that's going to make a difference in your life today. So every time we get somewhere, we're going to pray. So I just want you to know up front, we're going to be praying a lot, okay? So don't, don't tune me out. I want you to tune me in, and I want you to be serious. If you're committing to pray, start right now. Okay, I'm giving you a place to exercise your growing in prayer right now. So this is the first time we're going to pray. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the text. Okay, Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for the way you love us. You are a, a good, mighty, holy, just, good God. And dear God, the truth is we don't love you like we say we love you. But God, I pray that today would be the start of us loving you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And, Lord, I pray right now, God, 
that before we go forward anymore, Jesus, would you please take me out of the picture, dear God. I don't want them to see me at all, dear God. I pray that you would silence me. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to do a work in your people here today. God, please do that. God, please do that. Lord God, just do what only you can do, God. I pray that you would change hearts. God, use this foolish, sinful man to speak your word now. And may it be to the glory of your name. In Christ's name I pray. All right, so let's let's we're gonna Luke eleven one through four. I'm gonna read sections of it, and we're gonna stop, and we'll, we'll come back to it. Okay. So first thing I want you to see as we dive into the text. First point: we must pray for a desire. If you're a note taker, I want you to write that down. The first thing I want you to see out of this text is we must pray for a desire. How do I pray? We must pray for a desire. Number one. Let's look at Luke eleven, starting in verse one. It says, "Now Jesus was praying in a certain place." And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John John taught his disciples to pray. So the first thing thing you've got to notice, even as we dive into the very beginning of this text, is you've got to notice that in Christ and in Christ's followers was a desire for prayer. Now, get this. I want you to understand, desires are not a bad thing. Desires run our lives, okay? Every day you, you, are, you are run by the desires in your life. You have uh, desires for food, right? You eat three times a day, right? You, you have desires for sleep. You have desires, if you work out, you have desires for those things. Desires are not a bad thing. Desires run our life. What we have to have this morning are the right kind of desires. And what I want you to see is that Christ had a desire to pray. I know that because he was praying. And the disciples wanted to learn to pray. They had a desire in their heart that reflected in their life. They said, God, teach me to pray. They go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach me to pray. Now, here's what's crazy to me. Here's how I know this was a serious desire for them. Of all the things the disciples could have asked Jesus, right? Think about what they could have asked Jesus. Jesus, if you could teach us the whole resurrection from the dead thing, that would be great. Jesus, a couple weeks ago, we were walking on the water. I'd like to learn that one, right? And I don't want to learn it like Peter learned it because Peter didn't do too well at it, okay? Jesus, if you could teach us how to turn the water into wine, because they weren't Baptists, all right? That's a joke. Jesus, if you can, te- if you can teach us how to turn the water into wine, that would be great. They could have asked Jesus to do anything. God, teach us something. Notice what they asked for Jesus to teach them. Jesus, teach us to pray. There was a desire in their heart to learn to pray. And here's the thing I want you to understand. If you are a believer this morning, if you are a person who last week said, God, show me your glory, you are living with a hunger for God, there should be, at least in some very small way, in your heart a desire to know how to pray. If you... If there is not a desire in, the, in a believer to pray, one of two things has happened. I want you to listen to me very closely. If you're a believer this morning, you say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I don't have a desire to pray, though. I, I want you to know one of two things has happened. Number one, either there is so much sin in your life that it has clouded your want for a, a communion with God, or number two, you're not a believer. That's the only two options, right? You go, I go through Scripture, and I see that in there. You want to know when David wasn't praying? When he was with Bathsheba. Sin, sin does that to us. So this morning, if you say, I'm a believer, but I don't have a desire to pray, the first thing you gotta, I got to ask you is, are you walking in sin? 
The Bible says that, uh, that Psalm 66, I actually read it this morning. It's crazy how God was lining all this up. The Bible says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, God would not have listened to me. See, if you're here this morning and you don't have a desire to pray, it could be because you're walking in sin. And hear me this morning, church. The best thing for you to do right here, right now, is repent. Until you repent of the sin you're walking in, there will be no desire to pray. Second thing, maybe maybe you're here this morning and you say, I don't have a desire to pray, and you've been coming to your whole church your whole life and you just don't have a desire to pray. I would challenge you very seriously to ask yourself, am I a believer in Christ? Because here's the thing, I can deal with a small desire. I can deal with somebody who has a small desire to pray. But what we see in Scripture is that if you are a believer, man, there's some desire to learn how to pray. That's what the disciples wanted. And here's why I say that this morning. we got to pray for the God to come and give us a desire to pray. Check this out. Well, I asked you to commit earlier to pray, and I really want you to commit to growing, getting serious about prayer. But here's what I know. All the hard-nosed, stubborn commitment in the world is not going to do us any good in learning how to pray if God does not come into our heart and teach us to pray. And the reality is, if you don't feel like praying, the very thing you need to do in that moment is pray. Can I tell you all how this played out for me this week? I was going Thursday morning. I got up early, and I, I, got, I had a meeting in Statesboro. I was actually meeting Paul in Statesboro. He, was, he took me to Cracker Barrel. That's the benefit of knowing Paul. If y'all want to know him, maybe he'll take y'all to Cracker Barrel one day, okay? But I, I met Paul early at Cracker Barrel, and uh, I had to come back to Midland. I had a couple other meetings back-to-back that, were, that stacked up on me. And th- that morning, I didn't get to pray. I didn't wake up early enough to pray. And I got back to Statesboro. I got back to Midland, my office around lunchtime. And I had, when you preach, you got to prepare, right? So I knew that I needed to prepare, I needed to start preparing. And so my gut instinct was to jump right into the scripture and start preparing the text, right? Or start preparing a message for Sunday. I just got so much stuff to do. I'm going out of town tomorrow. I got to start getting all this stuff ready. I got to get it done, got to get it done. And in my head and in my heart, what God was speaking to me is, wait, wait a second, boss, you ain't talked to me today yet. I was, in my, my reaction was not, oh, yes, let me go and spend some time in prayer. My gut reaction is, God, right now if I pray, I'm going to be losing 20, 20, 25 minutes of time that I could be getting stuff done, right? Because in my heart, there was no desire to pray because prayer felt like work. But here's what God spoke to me in that moment. It is the very times in my life when I feel like I don't need to pray that I better be praying. Because I can promise you this, too. You better believe that a temptation is coming right after that temptation not to pray. We have to pray for a desire this morning. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stop. And y'all, a lot, half of y'all are, look like last Sunday y'all just got dropped off a truck and half of y'all look like y'all are into it. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to stop and pray. I just want to pray for a few minutes that God would give us a desire to pray. And listen, you could be here this morning and you could have absolutely zero desire in your heart to pray. Now is the time to figure out why. If you don't have a desire to pray, ask God what's in your heart, what's in your life that's preventing that. So I'm going to lead us, and while I lead us, listen, I want you to pray. Don't listen to me pray so much as you pray. Pray and ask God to give you a desire to pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the way you love us, God. And God, the reality is we are sinful people, dear God. 
and we do not want to pray, dear God. We don't want to waste our time with that. Dear God, we're busy people. We don't want to do that. We've got too much other going on. Dear God, I pray right now that you would stop it and put in our hearts a desire to pray to you and know you with us. God, please do what only you can do in us to make us want to know you, God. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, how many of y'all have ever prayed four times in one church service? That's, that's a little heavy today, okay? So we must, number one, we must pray for a desire. That's the first thing I want you to see out of this text. Number two, we must make prayer a priority. We must make prayer a priority. Look, look with me at, at verse one again. It says, we're only going to read these first four words. It, I mean, there's so much in this text. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Listen. You don't have to look any further than the life of Jesus to see that if we are a Christian, we better make prayer priority. Hear, hear this number with me. We read the Gospels, all four Gospels, you read them straight through, you'll notice that 25 times in the Gospels, Jesus gets alone by himself to pray. Wow. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with. If Jesus, who is God in the flesh, thought it would be important to take time out of his daily schedule to pray, how much more important is it for us to pray? If Jesus, who is the Son of God, who was tempted to sin but did not sin, thought before I am tempted, I might need to go spend 40 days in prayer so I don't give in to temptation. I can know God more. If Jesus does that, how much more do we need to pray? But we don't make it a priority. We don't make it a priority. Look with me at Luke 5.16. What I want you to see is for Jesus, it was a consistent priority. Let's pull up Luke 5.16. It'll be on the screen if you don't have it in your Bible. Luke 5.16 says this, But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In, that, in, in the Greek, in the original language it's written in, that word, but he would, that actually conveys the notion of Jesus did this a lot. You might have an NIV this morning. If you have an NIV, read it out of your NIV. It says, Jesus often withdrew to pray. What I want you to see is that Jesus did this consistently. Jesus made prayer something that he didn't just do once a day. God, I'm going to get up and say my morning prayers. For me, when I was growing up, it was something I did at night. You prayed at night. So, so if you died in your sleep, right, you, you go to heaven. That's how that works. Amen? Right? Does anybody else grow up like that? Lord, I don't, I've been trying to keep myself alive the rest of the day. Could you keep me alive during my sleep? Right? But for Jesus, it wasn't a one-time-a-day thing. It was consistent. And what I want to challenge you with this morning is that prayer for the believer should be just as consistent as other things that keep us alive. Let me ask you this. How many times a day do you drink water? Can you live without water? No. How many times a day do you eat? Three, most of us. Some of y'all have been working on four and five, all right? I'm just joking. I'm just, that's just a complete joke, all right? But what, here's what I want you to get at. We do things that keep us alive multiple times a day, and, man, we go hard after those things. They're consistent. What I want to challenge you with is prayer is the one thing that is keeping you alive more than water is. Why should it not be just as consistent in your life? We've got to make prayer consistent. Let's look at Mark 135. It wasn't only consistent for Jesus. It's going to be on the screen. Somebody, Mark 135, it says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I want you to see this. It wasn't just a consistent priority for Jesus. It was a planned priority for Jesus. You want to know how I know? The Bible says that very early he got up. First things first. 
nobody accidentally gets up very early to work. That just ain't how it works. I've never met, well, I've met a couple of y'all. Who, I woke up at 1 o'clock this morning, just couldn't go back to sleep, and so I started praying. That was an accidental prayer, all right? I'm talking, for most people, it ain't like that. You wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning, you just go back to sleep, okay? But what the Bible says is that Jesus woke up very early and prayed. So if this is something Jesus did often and he woke up very early, what that tells me is that he actually planned to pray. It was a part of everything he did. He planned it. Not only that, the Bible says he went to a desolate place. No one actually accidentally gets up early to pray and walks out of their house into a place where they're all alone and nobody else around them. Nobody accidentally does that. And hear me, hear me say this. We plan a lot of things in our families. I don't know how I don't know how y'all's family works, all right? My family, man, we plan everything. If you got if it ain't on my wife's got a little calendar, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. If you want to do something that ain't on that calendar with us, you are out of luck. All right? Matter of fact, if you want to do something spontaneous, you better call her 24 hours earlier so she can pencil it in, or you ain't gonna get it tonight us, right? That just ain't how it works in our family. We plan everything. But for the rest of us, I mean, we, we, all, we all plan stuff. We plan meals. We plan vacations. We plan workouts. A lot of us even plan when we're going to have kids. That was, that was a joke, too. Right? Everybody we're going to wait two or three more years to have kids. Right? We plan everything. Let me ask you this. Are you planning to pray? Main reason people don't pray is because they don't plan. They don't carve out time in their schedule. So here's what I want us to do. I'm going to pray, and I want us to take a few minutes, and while I'm praying, I want you to put inside of your head a time, a place, and how often you can be setting up a schedule for you to pray. Or you say, that's legalistic. I don't like doing that. Hey, man, you've got to do what it takes to get it done. How? Find a place. Find a time. Decide how often you're going to do that. And while I pray, I want God to lay that on your heart, and I want you to commit to finding that time to pray. Let's pray. God, Lord, I know so often the reason we don't pray are, are not because we're evil or not because we don't even desire to pray. So often, dear God, we don't pray because, dear God, life happens and we haven't carved out time to pray and everything else gets in the way of you, Jesus. I just pray this morning that nothing else would be as important as you are in my life. God, I pray that right now, God, there, I have I got a time, I got a place, dear God, early in the morning. My, my, my sofa before anybody else gets up, dear God, I take a knee at that place, dear God, and I try to do it every day, dear God. And I just pray that right now, dear God, you would be putting somebody else's a time and a place and a consistency on their heart for how they need to be praying. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you, dear God. Give us a desire to pray. Give us the consistency and give us a plan. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we have to make prayer priority number two. We must pray for a desire. Number one, third thing I want you to see is that we must start looking to God. Look at, look at me. Let's start in verse 2. And he said to them, Jesus is teaching them how to pray now. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I want you to notice how Jesus starts his prayer, okay? Because how if Jesus tells you to say something, it's pretty important, all right? And Jesus starts his prayer with say, Father, hallowed be your name. Here's, this may be the most important thing I'm going to give to you today as, a, as far as when I'm actually praying, how to pray. Okay, so listen to this. Prayer starts with God. 
Jesus said, Father, hallowed be your name. Notice what Jesus didn't come to first. God, uh, my bank account's empty. God, my children are acting crazy. God, this person that works getting on my nerves. Give me patience. None of that came before God. Hallowed be your name. Father, hallowed be your name. One of the main reasons our prayer lives is dead is because we pray focusing on ourselves instead of focusing on God. All right? Now, hear me. I got, I got a little story for this, and I, I pray that I'm going to tell the story right. If not, I'm not lying to you intentionally. My mama will correct me after. My mama worked with a guy uh, years ago, or say years ago. She's not that old mama. I love you, Charles. Um, my mama worked with a guy not long ago, and does anybody remember the movie Sweet Home Alabama? Yeah? Okay. She worked with a guy who was one of the background actors in Sweet Home Alabama in one scene. Okay? You remember this? Am I telling this? Okay, I thought I was. All right? She worked with a guy who was a background actor in one scene in Sweet Home Alabama. Right? I love that movie. It's great. I want to marry you. Kiss you anytime I want. Great movie. All right? I love it. In that movie, there's one scene at the fair where one of my mom's co-workers was in the background. All right? And so we watched this movie one night. And I missed the entire scene because I was looking for one person. I couldn't tell you what the main character said. I couldn't tell you what happened. People could have died in the scene because I was looking for somebody in the background. How foolish is that, right? You missed the main thing because you're looking at the background character. What I want to tell you is that's what most of us do in prayer. When we come to prayer and we have, uh, we're just focused on ourselves, our needs, what's going on in our little world, we're like somebody watching a movie, just watching the background characters, missing what God's doing right in front of our face. Because prayer is not primarily about meeting needs. Prayer is primarily about meeting with God. Now, I want you to understand that because what's going to happen is you're going to go back to praying and the only thing you're going to know is, God, God, please help me. God, God, my life's struggling. And I'm not telling you God doesn't want to hear those things. I'm just telling you that your prayer life's not going to be successful because you're focusing on the wrong thing. There's a time for that, and we're going to get to that, but it's not up front. you got to focus on God. Prayer should be the ultimate killer of self-centeredness. It's where, we pray, it's where we realize that life's not about us, life's about God. That's why the next thing that Jesus says is, your kingdom come. You notice how that, man, that was crazy how Jesus did that. It's almost like he was God and he knew what he was doing right there. God, God, this is all about you, not about me. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So what's he saying? God, this is about you, not me. I don't want to live focused on me, God, I want to live focused on you. So here's, I'm going to give you a tip before we pray. Listen to this. The best thing you can do is learn to focus your mind before you pray. I'm going to challenge you to do something. And this is something that somebody told me a long time ago. And, man, it's just it's worked so good for me. I want to challenge you to do it. Find a passage in the Bible where either Jesus is described in his glory or God is described in his glory, where God is, is lifted up in majesty, okay? I recommend Isaiah 6, I recommend Revelation 1, Revelation 4, Revelation 20, any of those, all right? But I, wanna, I want you to I read this. If you can put up Revelation 1 for us. Now, here's what you do. You read this passage, and you think about it, and you, and you think about what this passage is saying. You put that picture of God in your mind. And then, before you pray, pray to that God. Not this little wimpy God you got in your mind, okay? Let's, let's read Revelation 1. It says this, 12 through 18. It says, 
Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Are you picturing what this guy looks like? This is not a normal-looking guy. This is majesty. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. We're talking glory. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. You want to do something to revolutionize your prayer life? Pray to God and not who you imagine God to be. God is big. Read, I, can't, I, I wasn't going to do it. I ain't got time. We're going to read it in Revelation 4. I want, you to, I want you to put a picture in your mind of who God actually is and all of his grace. Did you notice Did you notice there that God's just not majestic, that he's graceful? What did John say? I fell at his feet as though dead. I should have been dead. He said, oh, no, fear not. I have the keys of death and Hades. Man, that's majesty and grace approaching. How about Revelation 4? This is a good one, too. It says, And once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven. We're talking about the throne of God, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24, el- 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which were the seven spirits of God. Listen, don't just read, don't hear me read this, put this in your mind. You've got a throne with 24 thrones around it, and they're all looking to one guy. And before the throne, there as it was, a sea of glass before this throne. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front of behind. Now listen, this is stretching us a little bit. We don't know what this language is. I don't really know what this language means. Nobody knows what Revelation means. That's a Bible study tip for you, okay? So put this in your mind, though. God's still right there. And the four living creatures, each of them had six wings, are full of eyes around and within. Verse 8. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The main reason your prayer life struggles is because you do not know yet know the God of the Bible. And I want to challenge you to fix your eyes on the God of the Bible. He's not a self-help guru who's saying, you can do it, you can do it. Through Christ, you can. He's not... He's not some spiritual mystic uh, hippie guy who's saying you're just going to float all over the place. Focus your mind on the God who holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He was, he is, and he is to come. Focus on him this morning as you pray. And listen, see him as majestic, but I also want you, I don't want to miss this in this text. You need to see him as father. You need to see him as father. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Father, hallowed be your name. He called Jesus father. This is important. I don't want to skip over it. A lot of you have struggle in your prayer life because the truth is you come to God thinking that you're bothering God. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. I've never been one time bothered by a petition from someone I love. My little girl screams in the middle of the night every night, praise God, 1 o'clock every morning like clockwork. Anybody else? Can I get an amen? 1 o'clock every morning. Anybody else got that problem? Just me. Okay, praise Jesus. I'm suffering through it, all right? 
One o'clock every morning, my little girl cries. Now, in the moment, I'm an earthly father. In the moment, I might get a little frustrated and say, why won't she sleep all night long? But I have never, once my feet hit the floor, had a problem going to get her. It just don't happen. And then when I get in there to her and she looks at me, and she, I mean, immediately, she, she hears my foot on the floor. It, she, she's coming up out of there, buddy. It don't bother me one little bit. Why? Because I'm a father. It don't bother me. When you care about somebody, their petitions don't really bother you. I, I, got, a, I got a good illustration of this, how this has played out in my life. Last night, I, I went to uh, Wake Forest this past weekend. I had a class. Got back last night about 930 uh, got in the bed about 10, had been asleep for 30 minutes. I'm talking about 30 good minutes of just sleeping hard. And I got a phone call from Lindsay Doolittle and Sam. They were both scared to death for whatever reason. All right, we're not going to get into all that. They wanted me to come look around their house. All right? Somebody was out there. Somebody was out there. Nobody was out there. Somebody was out there. So I get, what do you do when somebody's outside of, of one of your friends' house? At 10.30 at night, the only logical thing is we're from Millen, Georgia. You grab the knife, right, rip that thing back, and you go on your way. So I go, I go to their house, and I'm out, I'm out there James Bonding at 10.30 at night, walking, and nothing was there. I open the door. I give them the gun. I leave. I say, just do whatever you got to do, right? <laughs> that, that part was not an exaggeration. I, I literally said, just don't kill them for me. But when they called, I told them, I was like, oh, my gosh, I was sleeping so good. But, you know, it was never a question of whether I was going to help them, mainly because I didn't want them to die. But other than that, other than that, I love them. They're my sisters. I take care of them. They don't, when they call me, they're not bothering me. What I want you to see is God is even better than me as a father or me as a brother. You don't bother God when you petition. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray for a few minutes. I'm going to run out of time, so we're going to pray very quickly. But I want you to pray, and in your heart, I want you to ask God to give you a right vision of who he is. See him as he really is. He's your father. He's your majestic God, and he is full of grace to you. So let's pray real quick, and you can sing. Father God, as we wind down right now, I just pray, Jesus, that you would give us a picture in our heart of who you really are, God. You are such a mighty God. Such a holy God. But God, you're our Father. You're our Father, God, and you take care of us. And Lord, I just pray that right now, God, we would see you as you really are. You are majestic and you are holy, but you love us. And I pray that we would have that image burned into our minds. In Christ's name, amen. All right, one more thing right here. I had to switch mics because I'm tired of pulling at my ear. I know y'all are tired of watching it. Let's see one more thing in this text. Let's start in verse 3. Jesus says, when you pray, give a, give, pray this. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Here's the fourth thing I want you to see. In order to pray, we must see our need. We must see that we have a real need. I'm convinced that one of the main reasons that we do not pray is that we fail to realize that the depth of our need. We live as if everything is okay, but we are blind to the war that's going on around us. 
two kind of needs pop up here in this text. The first thing you see is physical needs. God said, Jesus says, pray for your daily bread. Here's what I was getting at earlier. Prayer is about God. God cares what's going on in your life. He says, pray for your daily bread. Pray that you would have what you need. If there's something going on in your life, pray about it. Bring it, bring it to God and ask Him. God, will you deal with this? Will you take care of this? Now, notice God said daily bread. So this is talking about physical provision here. But notice that God's not, he's, you're not praying, God, give me enough bread for 10 years. The Bible's seeming to impress upon here that when we come to God in prayer, we're dealing with God for today. God, will you take care of our physical needs today? If you got a need, bring it to God. That's not wrong. It's absolutely what you should do. Number two is this, though. I want you to see when we're talking about daily bread, I want you to see that a lot of us are so rich that we don't pray about this to God. And by when I mean rich, I mean if you are at all middle class. We just don't pray about our physical needs. We don't think we need them. I want to remind you that it's the fool who lives his life and thinks he's independent of God. There were people in 1934 who were rich one second jumping off buildings the next. If God would remove his hand of common grace, we might all start. Pray for the things that's going on in your life. Pray for that physical provision. But also see this, and we're going to start closing with this. See the spiritual needs. So he says, pray for your daily bread. But also pray for your spiritual needs. Pray for forgiveness. Pray for forgiveness. When you pray to God, one of the main things on your heart should be repentance toward God for your sin. You say, well, I hadn't sinned today. Wrong. There's, there, it's in there somewhere. And the reality is we should be so aware of our sin that if this reason alone should drive us to pray. If for no other reason in our life that we need to confess and repent, we should be praying all the time. Pray for forgiveness. But he also says temptation. He says, lead us not into temptation. And this right here, this right here is a, is a more difficult part maybe if you, if you hadn't been following Jesus long. But here's, what, here's basically what it gets at. The more you follow Jesus, the more you realize that your heart is sinful. And the more you follow Jesus, the more you realize that you're more sinful than you thought you were. We're just... We're just full of sin and here's the reality a humble person realizes that if Jesus Christ does not keep them from temptation they will fall into temptation this morning if you're here and you've never had a significant moral failure that has haunted your life praise God that he has not led you into temptation yet because I can promise you this a lot of us are not strong enough to withstand it that's why he's saying, not, lead us not into temptation. There are times, I, I, have, I can name you times in my life right now where there has so, been so much sin in my heart that had not God protected me from temptation, I probably would have fallen into it. Praise God that he leads us not into temptation. Now, don't hear me say this. Just because you pray it don't mean you're not going to have it. You know who else was tempted? Jesus. So really what you need to be praying is, God, lead us not into temptation. And God, if I do go into temptation, will you give me strength to withstand it? See, the reality is most of us have no idea the depth of our spiritual needs. And here's what I want to do this morning as we close. I, I, if you've got a Bible, I want you to flip to Romans 3. I want you to flip there. This is really important. I want you to see this. I want to close today, and I want to highlight our spiritual needs. And I hope to God that maybe it will lead you to pray. 
But prayer is the gateway to life. It's the way we find Jesus when we first realize that, man, we have so much spiritual need. The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what prayer is. It's when we call on the name of the Lord. And so I want you to see your spiritual need this morning. And maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never realized you've had a spiritual need. I want you to hear these words and I want you to know I'm not insulting you. These words are true about me. But what I want you to know is that these words are true of you. These words describe you. Look with me at Romans 3, starting in verse 11 or verse 10. It says, as it is written, none is righteous, no no, not one. Verse 11, no one understands. No one seeks for God. All, that's all people, me and you and everybody else, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongue, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Check this out with me real quick. Real quick, look at me. Where does the sin start? It starts in their throat. Then it goes to their tongues. Then it goes to their lips. Then it comes out of their mouth. I want you to see what Paul's doing here. Paul is showing us that their sin comes from a direction, and it's our heart. Because as sin makes its way up, it comes out of our throat, through our tongue, on our lips, out of our mouth. What Paul is telling us here is that you have a deep spiritual problem, and it's that your heart is broken. You are sinful beyond what you know. Verse 14, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19, now we know that whoever that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. This morning, the main reason you should pray is because you are a sinner. And I know that sounds that sounds so Southern Baptist, oh you're a sinner. Listen, this is just the Bible. The main reason you need to pray this morning is because you're a sinner and your sin has caused a separation between you and between God. But hear this. God has come to meet your spiritual need. And He did it through Jesus Christ on the cross. On the cross, Jesus Christ bled out His righteousness so that you could have it. So now... That spiritual need that you have has been met if you're willing to receive it. And that's what salvation is this morning. And listen, I can't help but think that there are some of you here today who you have never really realized the depth of just how much of a sinner you are, and you need that salvation. I'm praying today is the day for that for you. Then there are others of us as we close that we got to realize this morning. Prayer is the way to a strong spiritual life. And there are many of you who have been coming in here week after week, week after week, and your life with Christ is as dry as a bone. There is no intimacy. There is no life. Why? Because there is no prayer. And today, I'm challenging you to realize that there is only one way that you're ever going to have that spiritual life you so desire, and it's to tap into the fountain who's willing to give it. So maybe you're a believer here this morning. I would challenge you, if you had not been growing in prayer, that's what this place right here is for. This is a good place to commit to prayer, right here, right now. And so I'm going to pray for us one more time. Listen, I'm going to do two things. If you would go ahead and bow your head.
and, and, uh, and close your eyes with me. We're going we're gonna to close out this way. Maybe you're that first person this morning. Maybe you just have never realized the depth of your spiritual need. Today, you can pray to God and say, God, I need you to save me. I don't pray because I'm not saved. I, I don't have the spiritual life that he's talking about. If that's you today and you want to pray and you want to say, God, I need you. If that's you today, I just want to challenge you. Will you do this? Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Would you just raise your hand for me and say, I want to know that life today? All right, just please keep them up for us. We got, we got just a few. What I'll do is we'll have the, uh, we'll have some prayer team come and grab you real quick. As they grab you, just know this. They just want to pray with you. Everybody keep your head bowed, please. They just, they just want to pray with you and, and, and walk you through what that means to give your life to Christ and have that spiritual life. But listen to me. We're going to celebrate for them in just a second. We're going to celebrate for them in just a second because we celebrate people who go from life to death. Praise God. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, my spiritual life is not what it needs to be and the main reason that is is because I haven't been having a prayer life and if that's you and you say this morning I just I haven't been praying and I, I want to commit myself to that this morning if that's you will you just slide your hand up for me and you just say I want to grow in that just keep it up nobody's looking thank you you can put them down listen there's nothing wrong with saying I'm not where I want to be that's why Christ came because you could never be where you wanted to be and if you raised your hand this morning, I just want to challenge you. We just come and commit to that life of prayer right now. So I'm going to, let's give, let's give the people who went from life to death a round of applause real quick. Celebrate God what's doing. What God's doing. As we do that, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray one more time. Dear God, thank you so much for what you do in our lives, God. It is all of you. It's not of us, God. God, I deserve death. Dear God, I don't have a prayer life. God, I'm the most sinful person in this room. I know it, God, but your grace is bigger. Your grace is better. Your grace is stronger. And we pray right now that you would do more and more and more for the glory of your name. God, we're like Moses. Show us your glory. In Christ's name I pray.